The exclusive home of the Sunny Talk Sports Podcast is Hardwood in Hollywood. I've got to say, if you aren't checking out H&H, you're really missing out. We've been on fire with content over the last couple months. I have Bracketology going all throughout February and March. Some of the other talented writers on staff have been reviewing shows such as Bob's Burgers, Gotham and Silicon Valley. We've had movie reviews up for Ready Player One, Annihilation, and Black Panther. And as would be expected, we're going to have a ton of NBA playoff content coming your way starting late next week. This week I've devoted all my time to WrestleMania. I wrote about the 15-year journey to the John Cena-Undertaker match we may or may not be getting. I wrote about the history of WrestleMania main events, and I believe the day after WrestleMania this Monday, I'm most likely going to be having a breakdown of Daniel Bryan's return to the ring after a two-year retirement. And obviously, if you're listening right now, you know I'm about to talk all things WrestleMania 34 with Paul Clark. So with that said, I just have to ask... Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! <laughs> the notorious PMC, Paul Clark, is on the line. Paulie... Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited for WrestleMania. Um, I think this is one of the better WrestleMania cards that I could ever remember. I think there's just tons of uh, potential for this card, and I think it's going to be great from open to close. This is one of our favorite times of the year. We we have March Madness that just ended, uh, WrestleMania season, and then the NBA playoffs that are back to back to back. You really can't beat it. And as you as you said, on paper at least, this is one of the most stacked WrestleMania cards that that I can really remember. Um, and I, I've obviously been writing about the history of the WrestleMania main events this week, um, so I've been diving into some of those pay-per-views and looking at the cards and really since like the post-attitude era where it was the I guess technically the ruthless aggression era where it was like 2003 uh, WrestleMania 19 was a stacked card and I think probably this is top to bottom the best one we've had in 15 years yeah I mean it's it's really loaded um you know, you look at, you know, just, you know, a few matches that really stick out to me are the Intercontinental uh, triple threat match between Finn Balor, The Miz, and uh, Seth Rollins, and then the SmackDown Championship with AJ Styles over Shinsuke Nakamura. And uh, another match I'm really looking forward to is Asuka versus Charlotte. I think that's going to be really good. Well, we are going to be touching on all three of those matches. Uh, we didn't really go over any format um, that we wanted to incorporate leading up to this call. So I just came up with 10 big WrestleMania questions for us to answer. Um, I just figured that would be the best way to tackle this. There are um, 13 matches on the card, three of which are going to be pre-show matches. I don't think we need to necessarily hit all of them. Um, 
I think we should spend a little more time on certain angles that that deserve our time more. So um, question number one that I have is about the the one match that is on the card. Um, how do you see this Undertaker-John Cena situation playing out? And the reason the reason I have this question number one is because of all things that are um, great about this possible WrestleMania card and as many good matches as there are, for whatever reason, this angle is the one that I'm most interested in and I acknowledge the fact that this puts me in the minority because it seems like there's very little interest in this match. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, like, I think it would have been better if The Undertaker would have actually made an appearance maybe two weeks ago. Um, The Undertaker's last couple matches at WrestleMania have really been nothing to write home about. You're absolutely right. Ever since the Brock Lesnar match, I think, you know, his matches have just really been downhill since. I mean, and Cena still puts on a good match. So, I I don't know, I... Like, if they have the match, I'm intrigued. Like, it's definitely not a go-get-a-snack match. You know, I want to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, I'm not going to be heartbroken. So, I, I've been very critical over the past few years about part-timers getting good matches or, or um, premier slots on the WrestleMania card. And this is by far the most interested I've ever been in a part-timer match for WrestleMania. And I'd really like to give credit to Vince McMahon, um, who's a genius and or who, who was a genius and who has had a number of questionable uh, decision-making snafus over the last few years. Um, but apparently the this whole build to this match, this storyline – was supposedly all his idea. And I dig it. I I actually think that they did the right thing with this match. I think that this is one of the ballsiest things that WWE has done in quite some time. Having this match up in the air, um, even though most smart fans or people who watch wrestling on a regular basis, they know that something is going to happen between these two. It's still really cool to me that we don't totally know what. We don't know if if it's going to be a sanctioned match. We don't know if it's going to um, – where it's going to fall on the card. We don't know what version of The Undertaker we're going to get. Um, to me, that, that just makes this all very interesting, and even more so than if The Undertaker accepted the challenge or acknowledged the challenge at all. I think the fact that we're going in sort of blind makes this all the more interesting. So you're 100% sure that this match is going to happen? Yes. Based on everything I've read, um, Vince's mindset was that the card is so good that they don't need to announce this match and that the uncertainty 
actually might add to the intrigue, which he they, they got me hook, line, and sinker because I'm totally in. Now, so the ones are going to do it. You know, that's what I'm still having a hard time figuring out. What I'm curious about is all this time, the last month or so, John Cena has been saying that he'll be sitting in the crowd watching as a fan if if The Undertaker doesn't accept this challenge. I'm I'm just very intrigued to see if he's going to have a front row seat, if he's actually going to be out there, if at some point he's just going to make his way down to the ring and and make one more challenge to The Undertaker. I, I think that because they didn't lock themselves into anything, because they didn't say, yes, this is an official match on the card, it leaves them a lot of room to do something that they've never done before or that maybe we're not even thinking about. And and really the the conception of this idea that you could have two of the biggest stars in the wrestling industry um, you just tease this confrontation between them for a month and a half, basically the whole road to WrestleMania, but you don't put it on the card. To me, that that that's just awesome. It's, I think that WWE's big problem a lot of the times is that they don't think outside of the box. They they just go with what they know has worked for. 30 years since Hulk Hogan was the WWF champion. And now it's like they're doing something that they've never done before. And and I just, you know, if this was a lackluster card, I, I might feel differently, but I think because you have 10 other matches on the main card right now and half of them um, are match of the night candidates and, and all of them have legitimate intrigue, and there are some really big names. I, I'm not, I'm not so concerned about the fact that this isn't officially a match, that it's not officially on the card. But they're doing something. It will happen. They put it. I saw online that at uh, WrestleMania Access, they put both of these two on the poster at, next to each other, as if it were a match. The only thing that indicates that it's not for certain is there is a question mark over The Undertaker. If this wasn't going to happen, they would not do that. Yeah. At least in my opinion. He's he's keeping he's keeping the fans interested about it though, isn't he? Yeah. I I am actually very surprised by how little intrigue there seems to be online about this match. I I know that The Undertaker's matches have not been good since WrestleMania 29. That was the last really good match that he had with CM Punk. Um, I know that people are really tired of John Cena, even though I think in the last two or three years he's had um, some of his best work. The matches that he, he had with Styles were incredible. The mic work that he did against the Miz last year at WrestleMania was some of his best. And I, I have thought he's been really good with his mic work against The Undertaker. Um, his mic you know, work in the match with Roman Reigns was really good, too. Yes, yeah. The, 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 the one program that he had with Reigns where he went after him was exceptional. 
Um, I, I'm not tired of Cena at all. I think that, that he still has a lot to offer. Um, now, the, the Undertaker aspect is worrisome. Um, but that's from everything, from everything I read online, people are saying that this is the best shape that he's been in since his match with CM Punk. Um, now, what that means when he's a 54-year-old, I, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm just more interested in how it will look and how it will develop. And if if because he left his his uh, jacket and his hat in the ring after WrestleMania last year, if maybe he'll come back out as the American badass, or, or maybe he'll just come out as Mark Calloway, which might be the the best way to do it is just have him come out as a man pissed off that John Cena has been disrespecting his character's legacy like this. And they just fight. They just go at it. Yeah. I mean, here's what we know. We know that Kid Rock is getting inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. We know that Kid Rock did two of The Undertaker's theme songs in the past. It's. I think that if if odds were being placed on what's going to happen, I think we see some version of the American badass come out and and challenge Cena to a fight. Huh. It could be. I guess but I never really see. That. that does but, make sense. Can Rock be in there? Yeah. You know, and here's the thing. The fact that we spent the first 15 minutes of this podcast talking about this match, or I guess the first 10, however long it's been, um, and we we have no clue what's going to happen, but there are a number of options that that are mostly intriguing. I think that says something about about the build and what this match means. Um, You know, in terms of... The quality of the match, it's obviously not going to be a technical masterpiece, but we we would have accepted that if this match happened 10 years ago. We wouldn't have expected it to be a a match like The Undertaker had with Shawn Michaels. It's just not going to be worked like that. No. It's going to be more of a fight. Yeah, which with the builds would be way more appropriate than if they tried to go out there and have a wrestling match. Yeah. And remember, these two, and obviously they did not plan this. I I acknowledge this in my Cena Undertaker write-up this week. Cena's first night in WWE, he had a confrontation with The Undertaker, not in the, the dead man costume or whatever. He was wearing the bandana and the sunglasses, and he was big evil. He was the American badass, and I think that's what we're getting as a send-off for The Undertaker. That would be my prediction. I think I like that more than The Undertaker, to be honest with you. I do, too. I think that's the most interesting thing they could do. Um. But let's move on. 
And and maybe Cena Undertaker will be one of our answers for this match. I think it or this question, I think it should at least be considered. But um, based on what typically qualifies for a WrestleMania main event, which match should be the main event of WrestleMania 34? Uh, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura. So you're going with the traditionalist view where the Royal Rumble winner should get the main event match. I'm not saying that. I just think that's going to be the best match. I think that's going to be the hardest match. I think the two hardest matches to follow are going to be the Intercontinental Championship and that match are going to be really hard to follow. I I don't disagree with you. I actually have a hunch that one of those two are going to be the first match on the card. I think the triple threat match has potential to be the first match on the card. I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Bryan was the first match on the card. That is the worst thing they should do. Um, if they want this show hijacked... Um, then they should absolutely put Daniel Bryan in the first match. Um, <laughs> that, that's a very bad idea to, to get that out of the way right away. Um, I, I think that's just asking for this crowd to take over WrestleMania in, in a way that WWE wouldn't like. Um, I, I actually think that you could make a case that that should be the main event. Um, I think that Daniel Bryan's real-life return from a serious injury that that was supposed to put him in retirement permanently is the biggest story in wrestling. Um, and, and this the, it won't be the main event. That's why I worded the question, which match should be the main event. Um, I mean, I think we all know what match is going to be the main event. I know, and it, it's so bad. I, now, here, here's the thing. Are they really that stupid? Are they really, are, are they really so blinded by, by the, the belief in Roman Reigns that they're going to put Reigns and Lesnar on as the main event? I think it's more Lesnar than Reigns. I, I, I and and here here would be why I say that. I mean, Brock Roman Reigns, Reigns. Brock Lesnar's had the golden ticket in WWE for six years, being a part timer. I mean, you're you're right, but he, here's my counter argument to that. Reigns has main evented WrestleMania the last two years without Lesnar. He didn't main event it last year. With The Undertaker? That was the last match. It was? Yeah. And the year before that, when he beat Triple H. Huh. I mean, let's just transition into that match. My next question was on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you that Brock Lesnar is returning to UFC? Um, (laughs) 35. I had a feeling that it would be around that number. Um, 
I I just I think they're setting their, themselves up for disaster if they put that match on last. I think could there possibly be a Paul Heyman turn to Roman Reigns during this match? Now that is the only way that this match will be redeemable is if Heyman turns on Lesnar and aligns himself with Reigns, and you you get this peek at what will be heel reigns. Um, because I, I've been saying that for years, and actually, I think we did a WrestleMania 31 podcast, and I believe we talked about this being the possible angle for that match then, was Heyman turning on reigns. Because at that point, we were still unsure if Lesnar was going to return to WWE. And then, like, the day before WrestleMania, it was announced that he, he signed another three-year deal with WWE. But heading into that title match, there was there was some some belief that Lesnar was going to leave WWE after that match and, and go back to UFC. Um, and the easy thing to say was, well, you have you have Heyman turn on Lesnar and and align himself with Reigns because Reigns needs a mouthpiece. I think that this time around, that's the only result that fans won't absolutely hate. I got to tell you, they've done a good job making Reigns is getting a lot more crowd positivity over the past month than he has probably in two years. I, I, I still think that with this crowd at WrestleMania, it, it, it's not going to go well. If they're anticipating 70,000 people on their feet cheering for Roman Reigns like, like they were four years ago at WrestleMania on their feet cheering for Daniel Bryan, it's not well, going to happen. That's um, not happening yet. And I, I think that that's what they still have in their mind. I, I don't, I don't understand how they could be so stubborn to think that that he is the top babyface in the company. I think that Roman Reigns is really good. I think that he is the best heel that WWE has right now. But he he is not the face of of WWE. Not not when you have Daniel Bryan coming back, not when you have AJ Styles, not when you have Seth Rollins, who is always more over than Reigns of all the Shield guys, not when you have Finn Balor. Reigns is not your top guy. So... I, I can't believe that they're going to put that match on last, though. I think there's going to be, I, I think, I don't know, I think there's, the way they've been leading into that match, it seems like there's something big going to happen in that match. Just now, here is here's one of the things that that I've been I've been thinking about as I look at this card. 
there there seem to be a lot of matches that the result seems very straightforward. To me, it seems like there has to be some twist somewhere, right? Like, like it could either be Heyman turning on Lesnar. It could be some sort of double cross in the Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match. Um, I think I think there is going to be a double cross in that match. All right. Well, that that was question number four. Is there going to be a double cross somewhere in the Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens Sami Zayn match? I, I assume I assume that you are on the same page as me, thinking that it's a possibility that Shane McMahon turns on Daniel Bryan. I think it's going to be the other way around. Okay, so explain to me why you think that's the case. I don't know. I just the, Daniel Bryan was signed with those other two guys for the past probably two or three months, not longer. I mean, I know they jumped them a few weeks ago, but that you know, kind of setting it up. I don't know. I I just have a feeling that they've been making it a point to say how they've all been friends for 15 years and how Daniel Bryan's giving them the benefit of the doubt because. They gave him a place to live when he didn't have a place to live, and I don't know. I I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling that that's what's going to happen. Now it's funny because I've I've seen that line of thinking a few different places on the internet, and I've I've heard a few different people say that they think that that's that's the swerve. But my counter would be, then what is that group? Are Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn, are they your heel group? Because if that's how you're trying to build them, they're not going to get booze. That would be the most over group in the WWE. You know well, what I mean? I mean, Pete, I mean no, no, Daniel, Bryan, Daniel Bryan could go into the ring at WrestleMania 34 and pull his trunks down and shit in the middle of the ring and people would be chanting yes. He he could he could do no wrong at WrestleMania 34. Right. So if he turns on Shane McMahon, a double cross like that, you're trying to set up heel heat. He's not going to get heel heat. As as much as people like Shane McMahon, they don't like him as much as Daniel Bryan. And I'm not even sure that they they like him as much as. Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn together. This is this is my thing with heels and faces. The crowds just about everywhere go go more for the heels than the faces. I mean, they. I think they go for the talented heels. I mean, more than the faces. The Miz, they love the Miz. That you know what I mean. They love. I mean, I well, mean, even like the the fans dictate more of what happens in pro wrestling now than I think they ever have before. I think they realize, to some degree, the power that they have. I mean, look at what has happened with with Rusev, with this whole Rusev Day thing. He 
has become a babyface, and they, they kind of had to put him in the U.S. title match um, just because of how over he was. And that's that's not something they planned. To some degree, I think that they're going to experience that with Elias, too. Um, Braun Strowman is another good example. Uh, he, he basically went from a feud with Roman Reigns, where he was supposed to be the heel, and he beat the hell out of Reigns every week, and people loved it. So, and they they kind of forced WWE's hand. They had to turn him face. Um, so I, I guess I don't know how much, like, what being a face and a heel means, because, like, Roman Reigns gets booze like, like a heel does. So, but, and, and so does Cena. Yes, you're right. Um, so, I don't know. To me, it just still seems cure, like, a, like it would be a curious decision to turn Daniel Bryan on Shane McMahon. Um, I, I think the, the, that the one angle that they could run with this match, if they did want to have a double cross somewhere here, is Shane turning on Daniel Bryan, and then you kind of, you could turn Shane versus Daniel Bryan into a modern day Vince versus Stone Cold. That that would be the 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 angle for that double cross, I think. But to me, I think the safest route is to get out of this feud, which has been really good. It's kept my attention. Um, I personally think it's been the best thing on SmackDown on the road to WrestleMania. Um, but I would get out of it. I would have Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon win clean. Um, I'd have Bryan get the win. So 70,000 people could do the yes chance for a minute and a half. And then you send Owens and Zane over to Raw. And you let Daniel Bryan get into his own thing on SmackDown. I think that's the smartest booking decision. I think they got to have Daniel Bryan on Raw. Think so? Yeah. I mean, Ross, if you It is a bigger show, but maybe they think, okay, if we keep a an active Daniel Bryan on SmackDown, maybe it helps our ratings here. I don't know. It, the, one of the things I'm really interested in post-WrestleMania is what they do with the next draft and how these guys all get realigned, um, particularly Daniel Bryan, just because, as we were talking about a couple weeks ago, I think through Facebook Messenger, we were just talking about all the the possibilities for for Daniel Bryan coming up with some of these guys who weren't in WWE when he retired and just all these matches that Brian could work over the next year. Um, I, I think that that would, I, I think that's what I'm most interested in. Um, See, I read too, like, that they weren't going to, they were, it was just going to be basically like one roster again too after WrestleMania. But then I read that they were going to have well, a here, so, Here's what I read. I read that they were going to have a draft. They were going to have separate Raw and SmackDown rosters. 
but every pay-per-view is going to be a joint pay-per-view. But oh, at each okay. of those pay-per-views, Raw guys would only be facing Raw guys. SmackDown guys would only be facing SmackDown guys. Okay. Now, I could have misinterpreted that. There could be something um, updated that came out after I read that. Uh, so that, that is obviously not to be taken as fact, but that's how I interpreted what I was seeing as far as the news relating to the draft and, and joint pay-per-views. Um, but either way, I, I think that there are, there are quite a few possibilities for that, that tag team match. Um, one of the other intriguing tag team matches on the card is the mixed tag team match. Um, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon against Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. Question number five that I have is what should we expect from Ronda Rousey in her first WWE match? I tell you, I saw an interview with Kurt Angle tonight on the red carpet before uh, the Hall of Fame. And he said, I mean, obviously, what's he going to say? But he talked really highly of Ronda Rousey, of how quick she was learning things, and that people were going to be very surprised of how good she was in the ring. I don't doubt that. I think that with time, she can be really good. Um, My hope is that Paul Heyman will end up her mouthpiece. I think that that would be best-case scenario for her career moving forward because, um, just to be blunt, she has not been good on the microphone. Um, And she will get better. I I think that putting her in that spot right away, um, having only been in WWE for for days and asking her to to deliver these long monologues at, at contract signings and whatnot, I think that that's a tough spot to put her in. She'll get better. Um, but I, I think that she probably will pick up the in-ring stuff very quickly. What I would warn is that we need to remember that the action that she's going to be having in this match is with Stephanie McMahon, and that is not a highly trained female wrestler on the WWE roster. And that if this looks rough, um, that we probably shouldn't freak out because what Ronda Rousey is capable of doing with someone who can lead the action and knows what they're doing and is way more fluid in the ring, she'll look a lot better when she's in the ring with someone like that than when she's in the ring with Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, get her in the ring with Charlotte or Asuka or Alexa Bliss or Becky Lynch or Natalia or any of those, and it's going mm-hmm. to go on Exactly. Um, so I, I think that this match will actually resemble um, the Cena, Nikki Bella, and versus Miz and Maurice match last year where it wasn't that great and, you know, you had a couple interesting spots where Cena and Nikki Bella – deliver their finishers at the same time. I think that there's going to be... I would imagine that the way this match ends is with Triple H and the ankle lock and Stephanie McMahon and arm bar and them both tapping at the same time. Um, that, that would be kind of the perfect ending for, for the match. 
Um, and that'll be fine. I don't. My expectations for this match aren't very high. I thought that Triple H and Stephanie have done a really good job um, with the build of their their video package. I think two weeks ago um, was really good building this match because Rousey and Angle really haven't been able to do much on the microphone in terms of advancing the storyline, but uh, for what it is, I think it will be fine as long as people aren't expecting too much from it. Yeah, I mean, not not taking nothing away from Kurt Angle, but he's not real cool on the microphone either. No, and, and that's what I was saying. Him and Rousey have not done a great job um, making this match interesting. Right. Uh, no, I know. I knew that you were getting at. That's, that's. I mean, Kurt Angle obviously a great wrestler, but and once it, upon a time he he did some really good mic work back in the day. Um, prior to however many concussions he right. suffered, he he was pretty good on the mic. He not so much anymore. No, no, not so much anymore. <laughs> he can't even pronounce a W. <laughs> Um, but I think, I think that Rousey and Angle get that win, and it's a, it's a nice way for Rousey to make her, her WWE debut. Did you hear that, that this spot in the match, her, as her teammate, was originally offered to The Rock, and after that was offered to Batista? Really? Yeah. Um... Rock couldn't do it. I guess The Rock couldn't do it. Um, either. Well, here's the thing. Do we think The Rock is going to be at WrestleMania? I, I feel like I read online that he is scheduled to be there. Oh, really? I think so. I would imagine that it'll, it'll be in some sort of um, segment that resembles what he did at WrestleMania 30. I was actually thinking of what, how great of a rub it would be for Elias if he could have some sort of in-ring confrontation with The Rock. Oh, that would be fantastic. Um, I think that would be ideal. Because uh, we know that Elias is going to be doing something at WrestleMania. He, he already has this performance lined up. Um, and I think if you bring The Rock out there, that that's a really good way to to get Elias over in a way that no one on the main roster could get him over. Um, but, you know, that, I think all things considered, Kurt Angle is a better choice for Rousey's partner in this match than Batista would have been. Um, Batista's last last run with WWE did not exactly go over all that well. <laughs> Um, right from the start, it, it was not met with open arms from the WWE universe. So, no. um, I think we should feel fortunate that the match we're getting is the one that we're getting. Yeah. Um, number six, will Asuka versus Charlotte go down as the greatest women's match in WWE history? I'm going to say... A hundred percent, yes. 
because you're you're all in on this match. I'm I'm to be honest with you, I'm really excited. This is the obviously the most I've ever looked forward to a women's match at WrestleMania, but I'm like super pumped for this match because these two are phenomenal. They are. Um, I I don't think this match will be. I think an eventual rematch that gets a little more time and maybe a main event spot at a future pay-per-view will be. The only thing that bothers me about this is I know Charlotte's going to lose, and that aggravates me. Now, that that's one swerve that nobody seems to be talking about, is if Charlotte retains. Or, let me run this one by you. Carmella still has her money in the bank briefcase. They've been talking a lot about it, too. Is there any way that, that Carmella pulls a Seth Rollins and interferes in this match? Oh, I, I think I just fantasy booked a really good way for a rematch between these two to happen. What if, what if middle near the end of the match, Carmella comes out, cashes in her briefcase, and Asuka pins Carmella to win the title? And then technically, Oscar will have not defeated Charlotte, or Charlotte beats Carmella, because then Oscar won the loss. True. Though technically, I don't know how they do that. I don't know if that would that might technically be considered a loss. I I personally think I enjoy I think I enjoy Oscar pinning Carmella more. Just because then there's the whole Charlotte angle with, well, I didn't lose my belt. You never pinned me. You didn't actually beat me. And then you just give those two, you give them 25 minutes in the main event of the next pay-per-view. I mean, this is the thing with me. Like, they got to have Asuka lose sometime. Well, like, come on. We, we, know, we, know, we know when Asuka's going to lose. It's going to be whenever she fights Rousey. Oh. That, that's your money match. That, that very well could be penciled in as the main event of WrestleMania next year. An undefeated Asuka versus potentially an undefeated Ronda Rousey. I mean, it, it writes itself. We, we just, that's it. But this is the thing. Asuka and Rousey are both on Raw. I mean, that's the SmackDown women's title. Well, is it possible that with this win, Asuka moves to SmackDown, Rousey stays on Raw, and then maybe you don't even have Rousey challenge for the Raw women's title between now and next year. Maybe then Rousey wins the Women's Royal Rumble and challenges Asuka. So you think they're going to have Asuka go undefeated for a whole other year? I think they might. I, I think I really think that Rousey is going to be the one to break the streak. I, I, I think if I could put a future bet on what the main event of WrestleMania 35 will be, it would be Asuka versus Ronda Rousey. 
I mean, I wouldn't doubt that. I just, I mean, to have her not lose for a whole year, I mean, that's. Here's the thing, though. You can't, you can't have that match main event WrestleMania if Asuka isn't undefeated. Because Asuka's really good. She's really good. I don't think she's the most talented wrestler on the roster, though. I don't either. So you you have to have the undefeated streak intact, I think. I think... I think they're... I think Asuka's right up there, but I, I don't think she's... I, I mean... I think Charlotte's the best, but I think Alexa Bliss is right there with them, too. Well, you know how I feel about Alexa Bliss. Right. Put your uh, personal feelings aside for a minute, though, and just... No, what I'm saying is I, I admire her for her in, in-ring work. Um, she's definitely the best women's wrestler on the microphone, um, far and away, I think. And um, she's beautiful. <laughs> So <laughs> that's how I feel about Alexa Bliss. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I if I had to bet, I, I think we're seeing Asuka and Rousey, um, or maybe maybe that gets pushed up to SummerSlam. Maybe the SummerSlam main event is Asuka versus Rousey. Yeah, that could be too. Right, I mean, that's, that's you, so you could have you could have Oscar go undefeated until SummerSlam, especially if she beat Charlotte at WrestleMania. Yeah, and then you have her against Rousey, and that that's your main event. I don't. But, I, go ahead. I I was gonna kind of flip go to a different match and say like. I'm not big on the Alexa Bliss Nia Jax match. I just I think I think that match gets three minutes and Nia Jax wins convincingly. Really? Yeah. And you what you think Alexa's gonna lose her belt, huh? I do. And I, maybe I'm not seeing something because every prediction I've seen online has had Alexa winning, and I, I don't see it. I think that this is a very to me, it's a very clear-cut, um, you, you give Nia the, the squash victory over, over Alexa. I, I think that I, I didn't have to think twice about it until I saw that basically everyone else was picking Alexa Bliss to win, which I'm fine with. I, I will be rooting for her. Um, but I, I thought it was pretty easy. What am I missing? I, I don't know. I, I think Alexa somehow I, – I think uh, Nia might win, or Alexa's going to win maybe disqualification. Alexa's not going to lose her title to Nia Jax. Nia Jax may win the match, but it's going to be a different type of way. Hmm. Or it might just be one of them things where Nia Jax comes in and just totally beats the shit out of her and gets disqualified. Maybe it's that. Maybe Mickey James gets involved and Nia wins by disqualification. I, I think that that will be one of the 
the shorter matches on the card, though. Because they can't, unfortunately, they can't give all of these matches 20 minutes, even though there are eight of them that deserve it. Some are going to have to get cut and be five-minute matches. Um, and the, the match, is the subject of this next question might be one of them. Who do you think Braun Strowman's tag team partner will be? Good question. Now, I got to say, I, I heard one suggestion the other day. Um, it was on the, the Masked Man show, which is the Ringers wrestling podcast. Um, how fitting would it be if James Ellsworth was Braun Strowman's tag team partner? <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> where, where Strowman's first squash match was against Ellsworth, it would kind of be things going full circle if Ellsworth came out and was Strowman's partner. <laughs> what if it's like Alexa Bliss? Oh, now that's interesting. That that's an angle that I didn't think about. If if all of a sudden we have a a mixed tag team as the tag team champions, and she was his partner in the right, match. yeah, she was his partner in the mixed match match challenge. Oh, I, I have not heard that one. I, I think I like it though. Um, I I've heard Samoa Joe, which. I, doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I, I, I mean, I guess that's a way to bring him back. I mean, he was at the Hall of Fame tonight. They did an interview with him on the red carpet, and he said he's still recovering from injury. I mean, that doesn't. Oh yeah. Um, about Big Cass. Yeah, I, I, I don't need that guy in my life. No, I don't either. But I, I think that would be a huge letdown. But it's actually, it's like that's probably one of the five best possibilities in terms of what is actually most likely. Um, Hulk Hogan? Hulk that, is that is that way too out of left field? That's that's deep in left field. That's like at the warning. <laughs> um. Chris Jericho? Did they both come out with scarves on? They did have that. They did have one raw angle where Strowman stole Jericho's scarf. But then he ripped it up, didn't he? I think so. (laughs) Well, it was when they did the raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series thing. But they were on the same team, I thought. Yeah, they were. They were both yeah. on the rod, dude. I don't know. I, I I think that someone like Big Cass would just be a real letdown. I I think that the best way to go about doing this is something that is almost comical in who it is. That's why I like Ellsworth so much. Um, 
I can't see this match getting a ton of time. Oh, one one possibility <laughs> that I heard that might make a little bit of sense is Bray Wyatt. That pairing him with Strowman might be a way to repackage him after the whole Don't Matt Hardy debacle. Aren't they fighting again, though? No, I think Hardy's in the in the battle royal. Oh, yeah, he is. He is. I forgot Bray Wyatt got defeated. Can we spend two minutes talking about how bad that was? Oh, that was horrifying. That that was the worst segment on Raw in a long time. It really was. I, you know, I, I there there was a lot of hype for Matt Hardy coming in, and you know, with this whole deletion angle that he ran in TNA, and I never bothered to even look at it. I didn't, like, go YouTube it or anything. I, I had no idea um, what this, like, why people were so into it, but I thought, eh, I'll give it, I'll go in with an open mind. Um, maybe it will be something cool. And if if what happened on Raw at all resembled what happened in TNA, I guess I'm just very out of touch with what the what today's wrestling fan enjoys because that was I, I was cringing watching it. This is what I don't get. Like the crowd boos guys like Cena and Roman Reigns, but yet they get excited over that. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, like I, I know you know sometimes it's cool to root against those two guys, but. I mean, what's so what's so good about that? Like, I, I, that's first of all, Matt Hardy is like he can't even move in the ring. Like, I, no, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. Know. All right, that, that's already enough time for the Matt Hardy deletion thing. We yeah. we shouldn't have even spent the two minutes. Um, question eight: Who will you be cheering for? In the triple threat match for the Intercontinental title, the Miz, Seth Rollins, or Finn Balor? Um, I like all three of these guys. And I think, As do I. All, I think they're all really good. Um, I, I don't really have a cheering interest. I, I If I had to pick one, it would probably be the Miz. I, I, I enjoy the Miz. I, I, don't, I think he's one of the top guys in the company on the mic, and I think he's one of the top guys in ring. And I don't think he's going to win, but that's probably who I'm rooting for. I think Finn Balor's going to win. So I also think Finn Balor's going to win, and that's actually probably who I'm rooting for. Um, Of the three, I probably favor Balor the least. But I think he needs this win the most, which is why I'm rooting for him. I don't think the Miz or Rollins need a title to be relevant. I think Balor needs a nice, healthy run with the Intercontinental title to kind of reestablish what he was when he debuted on the main roster and and won the Universal title and then got hurt that night. I think he needs... I think he needs a nice run with the Intercontinental title to, to find that footing again. I need him to come out as the Demon King again. Yep, I also need that, and I need them not to 
talk about it. It bothered me that he had to cut these promos about how he was the Demon King and what that meant and, and like, Gaelic or whatever language he is speaking or whatever. Like, sometimes less is more. Yeah. Um, all of these guys don't need to be the rock. Right. Like, some guys are just way better suited to not be talking. And that's not that's not a knock on them. You just you just don't need that many people with a microphone in their hand. Right. Um, and to transition into my next question, that that has actually been my biggest problem with AJ Styles Nakamura. I feel like they they have tried to make each of them do too much on the microphone when I'm not sure that either of those two are great at it. So my question number nine that I have is I want to ask you to sell me on this match because I'm lukewarm. Really? Okay, I I should rephrase. I'm lukewarm on a build. I'm excited for what the potential is for if they get 20 minutes to just put on a wrestling clinic. I like what they've done the last two weeks to end SmackDown. I, I also agree. I, I liked those two spots where the, the tapping on the head afterward is kind of like a, I could have had you. But I like both of those. The first week it was Nakamura with a knee, and then it was AJ Styles off the rope, whatever. And, and uh, I, I like that. I, I liked how they did that. Um, I think these two guys are just going to put on it. I mean, AJ Styles never lets you down in a, in a big match. Like, I, no. that guy, I, I didn't know really too much about him coming into WWE. And I could sit down and watch AJ Styles matches for a long time because whenever he's in a, a match against a top name, or anybody for that matter, that they don't disappoint. Like you never, the match never gets over, and you were like, "Yeah, that match is okay." Like it was, no matter who he's fought, Roman Reigns, Cena, uh, Shane McMahon, anybody. Uh, it's just been, should I say, phenomenal work. <laughs> it really has. No, and that's the thing, like. Styles in ring ability is the probably the closest thing to Shawn Michaels that we've we've seen. But he's not Shawn Michaels on the microphone. He's just not that good. Nakamura not I, I love Shinsuke Nakamura. I told you about him when he was in NXT before he made his main roster debut. I told him this guy is incredible. Yeah. He shouldn't he, he doesn't need a microphone. No. I would have been I would have been fine with it if he didn't say a single word on the build to WrestleMania. You don't need it. No. Nope. Um, especially seeing what kind of story these two have told in ring the last two weeks. The last two weeks that, that that's been the most powerful dialogue to this rivalry so far, and it's been nonverbal. Yeah, and that's what they should have been doing the entire time, and I and I would have ate it up. But it felt like for and that's a product of Shinsuke winning the Royal Rumble, and you have two and a half months of of SmackDown to fill. You you probably feel obligated to do something with these two to advance the feud. But I I feel like they almost would have been better served 
to to really give to to make it feel like Styles was in more danger of losing the title at Fastlane and give Nakamura a little something a little more substantial than a match with Rusev at Fastlane. I feel like you could have had two two programs for a month from the Royal Rumble through Fastlane and then you have five episodes of SmackDown that you need to fill with these two and maybe there's a little less talking. But I don't know. That's just me. I, like I said, I think if they get 20 minutes, they're going to tear the house down and it will be the match of the night. But I just, I don't know. I, I've been less wanting either more or less depending on how you look at it. match is going to be a good wrestling match, though. So. Yes. All right. Question 10. Ten years from now, what do you think this WrestleMania will be most remembered for? Wow. So we, we have to put on our, our clairvoyant caps for a second here and kind of forecast what's going to happen on this card that will stand out. Wow. Ten years from now, what's this WrestleMania going to be remembered as? So I I think I think that there are maybe four options here. One It'll be remembered for the night that the women's revolution really took off. I swear that will be. I swear to God, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say it's going to be remembered as the night that the women on the roster became just as important as the men. Because if they give Oscar Charlotte a good amount of time, and if Rousey ends up becoming as big as WWE probably plans on her being, this this will be the night that kicked it all off. So I think I think that's one possibility. Number two, I think it could be remembered as the night that Daniel Bryan returned to WWE. Because he he will get a huge pop. If they give this match time, they'll be able to put on a show. All four of these guys are good workers. Um, and if Daniel Bryan wins and his music is the, is playing at the end of that match, you're going to have a recreation of what happened at the end of WrestleMania 30. You're going to have 75,000 people doing the yes chant. And that's one of the three best moments in WrestleMania history, right? Yeah. Um. I think Nakamura styles could be talked about like people talk about Steamboat Savage. I think you're actually right. I, I think that that I think that there is potential for that. And I, I guess I overlooked that when I was when I said four because that's definitely a fifth one. Um, the other two I was going to say was. I think that there's a 
potential that this night could be remembered for whatever happens with Undertaker and John Cena. Um, especially if, finally, this is actually The Undertaker's last time in a WWE ring. <laughs> um, I think that it could be remembered for that. And I also think, and um, I, I don't know how likely this is, I think maybe it could be the night that WWE realized that Roman Reigns is not their baby face. Because if he gets booed out of the arena after beating a the part-time and on his way out the door Brock Lesnar, how is WWE going to continue to have faith that eventually people are going to come around on Roman Reigns. How about it's looked back as the night that the Paul Heyman-Roman Reigns era began? That could be it, too. And that would be spectacular. You know how I feel about Paul Heyman. I think he has been arguably the most valuable WWE employee since 2013. And this is why I say that. If you notice, whenever Paul Heyman cuts a promo and talks about Roman Reigns, he talks about how he's a Samoan badass and how yep. his family. Before he cuts him down, he builds him up. Yep. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. And they need they need Paul Heyman to be with a top person. They need him to have a top guy who's always yeah. on TV. And just imagine, Roman Reigns is on TV every week. Roman Reigns ain't on TV once every six months. You get Paul Heyman every Monday. Sign me up. I told you, I, I wanted that at WrestleMania 31. I was ready for it then. I'm still ready for it. And that that would be the best for everybody because WWE wants Roman Reigns to get over. The crowd would love him if he was with Paul Heyman. But it would be the best version of Roman Reigns because he can act like a little bit more of a badass. Or how about this? We, we talk about Rousey and Asuka being set up for a future WrestleMania. Ish, ish. Reigns wins, and Heyman flips on Lesnar. What about a year to get ready for Reigns and Daniel Bryan? I mean, they've had some. They've had a few great matches in the past. Badass Samoan Roman Reigns with Heyman in his corner against Daniel Bryan, the underdog. I mean, they've had – I watched a pay-per-view of your house in Florida how many years ago. Them too far. And it was phenomenal. Yeah. It was great. I mean, if they're, if they're going in – Roman Reigns is a great wrestler. Especially if you put him with someone who could really go. You I put – I mean, he, he's better than people realize against anybody, but – the stuff that he's done with Daniel Bryan or Seth Rollins or AJ Styles, like him working with a smaller guy is really good. 
And then because because he because what's that? And that's not usually the case with a bigger guy like that. Well, here's the thing with Reigns. He is big enough where it comes off as like a David versus Goliath kind of matchup, where it's like clear that there's a size advantage. But he's also not so big that like he can't move. He he moves really well, and he keeps the pace with those guys too. Yeah. No, I look. I think Roman Reigns is really good. He's one of the most talented guys on the roster. He's just being booked improperly. That's I my am, one problem with Roman, no, Roman Reigns. I, I I agree with that. And I think the way they've kind of built this match for WrestleMania has been – because I, I wasn't I, – I'm first of all, anything that has to do with Brock Lesnar, I'm really not that interested but I enjoy Roman Reigns. He's one of my favorite guys on the roster. I like him. And, like, I feel like they've kind of built this up better than I thought they would as far as, like, Roman calling Vince McMahon out, you know, calling Brock Lesnar a part-timer, kind of getting the other people, like the other wrestlers on his side. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just yeah. kind of like you know, what I, you know what I'm saying? Like that. No, I do. I, I, I've been fine with the build. Um, I think how I think this most likely goes down is that here, here's how I think the match will be booked. I think immediately Lesnar comes out of the gate hot, hits some of the few suplexes, S5, goes for the pin, Reigns kicks out. And then very quickly, Reigns turns the tables, hits him with a few Superman punches, a spear, Lesnar's floored, and I think it's a quick match. Yeah, it should be a quick match. I mean, let's face it. I mean, Lesnar's not interested. He's already out the door. This match has potential to be a total disaster if Lesnar, let's face it, Lesnar's an asshole. So you you really don't know what's gonna happen in the ring. <laughs> I I one of my favorite things about WWE over the last five years has been how much you hate Roman Reigns or how much you hate Brock Lesnar. I literally like I get physically uncomfortable in general. Like I I I didn't like him that bad. He's like or, to, he's got little baby. Too. Did you ever notice that? He's got really little baby feet. I didn't notice that, no. And he, like, I will. I, I feel like that's all I'm going to be able to look at on Sunday. Um, so basically, like, he's, to like, Skip Bayless to me is what Brock Lesnar is to you. I mean, I don't, like, attack him on Twitter and call him a worm or a dink or an old fart <laughs> Some of the other choice words. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's, it's going to get a lot worse. <laughs> what, one of two things. One of two things is going to eventually happen. He's going to block. He's going to end up blocking me, or I'm going to continue to prod him, and I, I may or may not have a particular challenge in mind that I might write about where I'm going to call out him and Fox Sports 1 
and I might even be willing to put some of my own money on the line for charity to, to get a, a chance to to debate him. I'm dead serious. I have it mapped out and everything. I I, I want to get in a room with him. I want to get in a room with him. I want to call him all these names in person on TV, and I want to beat him badly in a basketball debate. I'll beat him badly, and I'll call him uh, an old worm. I'll say you have you're, you're a stupid idiot and you're a dink. I don't know which one I laughed harder at when you called him a dink or a worm. I, I hate that man. I hate him. I, I really do. I, I scroll my Twitter feed and I see a post from Skip Bayless, and then I just wait for it because I know exactly the post that you're coming. No, here's the thing. I don't follow him on Twitter. But what ends up happening is you get these suggested, like, posts. Have you ever seen that where it's like you see a post and then above it it says, like, Paul Clark and 75 other people you follow, follow this person. So I see all this garbage, or I see someone retweet it or like it, and then it's just there, and it's sitting there. And and I have to say something, but I don't follow him. I, I don't go to his page. I just see this bullshit, and I feel compelled to say something. Uh, I find it highly entertaining. Not gonna lie. Well, it, it's not going to stop. It, it, it's only going to get worse. I'll tell you that right now. That's great. All right, uh, bonus question before we go. Can you quickly do a Dusty Rhodes impression? Oh, Dusty Rhodes is ready for WrestleMania on Sunday. Tweet that fine, Dusty. Coming for WrestleMania Sunday night. Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. We coming for you, baby. We get some jump alive. <laughs> Paul Clark, thank you very much for joining me on this WWE podcast. We have... Uh, we have NBA to talk about next week. The playoffs start, um, I guess now technically, since it's past midnight, a week from today. So we're going to have a lot of NBA to talk about. But thank you for closing this out with, with the Dusty Rhodes impression. As always, it's a treat. I hope I didn't let you know. You didn't. You never do. <laughs> Glad to hear it. It was a fine buddy. I can't wait for Sunday, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Have a good night, buddy. All right. You too.